Welcome to the Transformation Academy private client podcast, where all your webinars, trainings, and guest speakers will be uploaded onto audio format for you to listen on the go. So if you do miss a webinar or training or a guest speaker in video form, don't worry. You can capture it here, right on your favorite podcast streaming service. Hi guys, how are we doing? And welcome to this week's training on emotional eating and how to overcome it. This is a super in-depth training that is going to also be released on the podcast too, so you can listen to it as you need to. But it's a it's a topic that has a lot of emotion attached to it. It's a topic that all of us do. So how do we overcome the barriers that emotional eating make us do and feel. So basically, we need to understand first and foremost what emotional eating is. Now, emotional eating is basically using food to make yourself feel better, to basically fill emotional needs rather than your stomach. And unfortunately, emotional eating doesn't fix emotional problems. In fact, what it actually does, it makes you feel worse. And afterwards, not only does the original emotion issue remain, but you also feel guilty for overeating. Now, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. So emotional eating, we turn to comfort food when we're feeling stressed or we use it to reward ourselves. And we use it to make ourselves feel better and understand that it doesn't fix emotional problems. So are you an emotional eater? How would you know if you are an emotional eater? Well, you may fall under one of these categories, one or two, or you may have experienced them all. Do you eat more when you're feeling stressed? Do you eat when you're hungry or when you are full? So this could be eating in the evenings, obsessively eating after you've had your dinner? Do you eat to feel better? Do you calm and soothe yourself when you're sad, mad, bored, anxious, etc.? Yeah, probably. I do sometimes. If I'm sitting down a long day behind the computer, I'll, I'll go and grab something to eat just to kind of get me through that last bit of work. Do you reward yourself with food? If you do X work in X time, do you reward yourself? If you do a workout, do you reward yourself? Do you regularly eat until you've stopped yourself? So that feeling of the meat sweats, Christmas day kind of vibes coming in here. Does food make you feel safe? Or do you feel like food is a friend? Do you turn to it for comfort? Do you feel powerless or out of control around food? When you see food, you just know that it's not what you want, but you submit to it. So if you've answered yes, to any one of those, then just chances are you are an emotional eater. So what is the emotional eating cycle? Well, occasionally using food as a pick-me-up or a reward or to celebrate something isn't always a bad thing. But when eating is your primary emotion for coping with a certain situation, your first impulse is to open the fridge. Whenever you're stressed, upset, angry, lonely, exhausted, bored, 
you get stuck in this weird, unhealthy cycle where the real feeling or problem is never actually truly addressed. Now understand that emotional hunger can't be filled all the time with food. In fact, it can never be filled with food. Eating at the, in that moment may feel good, but the reality is the feelings have been triggered for you to emotionally eat are still there. And often you feel worse than you did beforehand because of all the food that you have eaten and the unnecessary calories you have consumed. You end up generally beating yourself up for messing up and not having willpower to stop you, essentially. So this is quite a common thing. So the emotional eating cycle triggers when something happens that upsets you. It could be a work call, an email, a text message, a phone call, your partner doing something, your kids doing something, whatever that is, that's upset you. You then feel an overwhelming urge to eat. It could be a chocolate bar. It could be a couple of tangerines. It doesn't always have to be unhealthy food, but 90% of the time we do resort to what would be classed as high calorific, low nutrient dense foods. You eat more than you, you know you should. So rather than just having a handful of crisps, you end up having a bag of crisps. Rather than having one or two M&Ms, peanut M&Ms, which are my guilty pleasure, you end up having the whole bag. Be that a snack size, family size, cinema size, whatever. You feel guilty and powerless over food. You let food run your life, basically. So does anybody relate to this? Can anybody relate to this emotion eating cycle? Then we need to understand the difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger. Now, the difference between emotional hunger, before you can take a break, you can uh, break free from the cycle of emotional eating. You first need to learn how to distinguish the difference between emotional and physical hunger. Emotional hunger can be powerful. We all know that. So it's easy to mistake it for physical hunger. But there are clues. There are clues that we can pick up on. You can look for help to tell you physical. You can look and you can look for help to tell whether it's physical or emotional hunger. So here are I've got six of these, so we can compare it to this. Emotional hunger comes on suddenly. It hits you in an instant and feels overwhelming and urgent. Physical hunger, on the other hand, comes on more gradually. The urge to eat does, doesn't feel as dire or demand isn't satisfaction unless you haven't eaten for a very long time. Emotional hunger craves specific comfort foods. When you're physically hunger, hungry, almost anything sounds good to you. Be that cauliflower, um, Mushrooms, I'm trying to think of the things that I don't necessarily navigate towards, including healthy stuff like vegetables. But emotional hunger craves junk food or sugary snacks that provide with an instant rush. You feel the need for pizza, dessert, or nothing, and nothing else will generally matter, right? Emotional hunger often leads to mindless eating. So before you know it, you've eaten a whole bag of crisps, chips, 
an entire pint of box or tub of ice cream without really paying attention or fully enjoying it. How many people here have gone through half a tub of Haagen-Dazs or Ben and Jerry's? It's easy done, right? Especially when you're mindless, mindlessly eating. When you're eating in response to physical hunger, you're typically more aware of what you're doing. Now, hunger isn't satisfied once you're full. These are all signs of emotional hunger. You keep wanting more and often eating until you're uncontrollably stuffed, uncomfortably stuffed, sorry. On the other hand, physical hunger doesn't need to be stuffed. You feel satisfied when your stomach is full. Emotional hunger isn't located in the stomach. Rather than a growling belly or a pang in your stomach, you feel your hunger as a craving you can't get out of your head. You're focused on specific textures, tastes, and smells. And finally, emotional hunger often leads to regret, to guilt, and to shame. When you eat to satisfy physical hunger, you're unlikely to feel guilty or ashamed because you're simply giving your body what it needs. If you feel guilty after you eat, it's likely because you know that deep down you're not eating for nutritional reasons. These are all things that we experience and have experienced, but it's how we are able to separate the two of them and understand the differences. Now, what triggers you? Now, emotional hunger versus physical hunger. This You can screenshot this and I'll go through it for the audio, but it's um, quite a neat little graph. Um, so on the left-hand side, we have emotional hunger and on the right-hand side, we have physical hunger. Emotional hunger comes on suddenly. Physical hunger comes on gradually. The difference between emotional hunger feels like it needs to be satisfied instantly to physical hunger can wait. You can put that off. Emotional hunger craves specific comfort foods, chocolates, muffins, cookies, etc. Physical hunger is open to options. Lots of things sound good, sound interesting. Emotional hunger isn't satisfied with a full stomach. Physical hunger stops when you are full. Emotional eating triggers feelings of guilt, powerlessness, and shame, whereas physical hunger doesn't make you feel bad about yourself. So screenshot that. Have that as a reference. But what we're going to do is we're going to identify your emotional eating triggers. Now, the first step in putting a stop to emotional eating is identifying your personal triggers. What situations, places, or feelings make you reach for comfort food? And understand that most emotional eating is linked to unpleasant feelings, but it can also be triggered by a positive emotions, such as rewarding yourself for achieving a goal or celebrating a holiday or a happy event, right? So common causes that we find quite often within the coaching academy with clients for um, emotional eating are the following, stress, right? We all know stress, especially this time of year, um, especially living through a pandemic, the uncertainty can be stressful. And the stress hormone is cortisol. So cortisol triggers cravings for salty, sweet, and generally fried foods. Foods that give you a burst of energy and pleasure. There isn't any of those items that don't taste nice. They all do. But it's balancing it. Social influences. Uh, you can also overeat in social situations out of nervousness. 
something to do. It's something if you go around to a, fr um, a friend of a friend's house or your parents' house or your in-law's house, you can need to feel comfortable in that location. It's doing something. It's You feel like you're fitting in without standing in an awkward silence. Or perhaps it could be your family or a circle of friends encourages you to overeat and it's easier to go along with the group. So we've got that herd mentality. Childhood habits. Did your parents reward you with good behavior when you were younger? It could have been ice cream. It could have been taking you out for pizza when you got good grades or serve you sweets when you're feeling sad. These can all have an impact on adulthood. Boredom or feelings of emptiness. In the moment, it fills you and distracts you from the underlying feelings of purposefulness and dissatisfaction with your life, okay? So do you feel bored? Do you feel empty? Chances are you're going to reach for something that's going to help you feel good in that present moment. And finally, stuffing emotions. Stuffing emotions is something we can all relate to whether you are aware of the name or not. Eating can be a way to temporarily silence or kind of stuff down, which is where the stuffing emotion comes from, uncomfortable emotions, including anger, fear, sadness, anxiety, loneliness, resentment, and shame. So we eat to suppress. I'm sure many of us have done that. So we need to find other ways, other alternatives to emotional eating. Now, if you don't know how to manage your emotions in a way that doesn't involve food, you won't be able to control your eating habits for very long. Simple. So diets, where, in my opinion, where they often fail is because they offer a logical nutrition advice, which only works if you have a conscious control over your eating habits. Now, if you're an emotional eater, you don't have a conscious control. That doesn't work when your emotions are hijacked or the process demanding an immediate payoff with food. So basically, in order to stop emotional eating, you have to find other ways to fulfill yourself emotionally. It's not enough to understand the cycle of emotional eating or even understand your triggers, which we're going to go through. Although that's a huge first step for you to really kind of tune in and realize that what is triggering you is causing you to emotionally eat. So when you figure out what triggers you, then we can have a game plan to move forward. So we need alternatives. What are all alternatives to food that you can turn to for emotional fulfillment? Well, the list here is, if you're depressed or lonely, and I'm not talking about clinically depressed, um, but you can always call somebody, a friend, your parents, colleague, to help you feel better. You can put, borrow somebody's dog. If you don't have a dog yourself, or play with your own dog or cat. And you can look out, look out um, your favorite holiday moment or your favorite photo. It could be a wedding day or a cherished moment, the day your son or daughter was born or graduation or whatever but these are things that can make you feel good you feel anxious um, and again i'm not talking about um chronic anxiety or anxiety um related i'm just talking about general anxiety um you can expand you can use it use anxiety you can expand your nervous energy 
by moving, by dancing, by squeezing the stress ball, by taking a brisk walk, going for a jog, um, something that keeps the cortisol relatively low. So we're not looking to add additional stress to the body. We're looking to complement the stress and use the stress that we've built up to make it, that's making us feel anxious. And we can use that energy in a positive way. If you're exhausted, it could be hours behind a laptop screen. It could be um, long days at work. Um, take time for yourself. Go get a cup of tea, go get a cup of coffee, take a hot bath in the evening. Um, one of the things you can do to make the bath more interesting is light some scented candles, have a nap, read a book, take some downtime. And if you're bored, if you're bored of doing something, change is crucial. Change is important because it helps us clear our mind, but also gives us something else to consume. So to use this area of boredom, rather than going to the fridge to grab something to eat, why not read a book or um, watch an episode of your favourite comedy um, series on Netflix? Go for a wander outside. Play the guitar. Whatever. Shooting hoops. That's what I used to do when I was younger. I had a basketball hoop in my back garden. You're bored? Go out, practice. Do something that's going to take you out in that environment. All right, but we need to, we also need to check in with ourselves. So emotional eating tends to be automatic and virtually meaningless, as we know. Before you even realize what you're doing, you've reached for a tub of ice cream and polished off half of it. I've been guilty for that in the past, especially over the festive period, and um, Haagen-Dazs is my, is, my, uh, is my weapon of choice. But the thing is, if you can take a moment to pause and reflect when you've hit with a craving, this is important, you give yourself the opportunity to make a different decision. So can you put off eating for five minutes? Or if you can't, we can just start with one minute. But don't tell yourself that you can't do something. You can't give in to the craving. Because when we say we can't, we all of a sudden categorize that as forbidden and must not do. Just tell yourself to wait. So it's flipping the perspective, changing the narrative that we're saying to ourselves. So whilst you're waiting, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? What's going on emotionally? Even if you end up eating, you'll have a better understanding of why you did it. And this can help set yourself for a different response the next time you feel this way. So it's all about changing habits, changing our mindset around emotional eating. So there's different things that we can do to support yourself with healthy living habits. When you're physically strong, relaxed, well-rested, you're able to handle the curveballs that life inevitably throws at your way. But when you're exhausted and overwhelmed, any little hiccup along the way has the potential to send you off the rails and straight forward into the headlights of the fridge. So bearing in mind, whilst it may be something that you're doing right now, exercise, sleep, and other healthy lifestyle habits will help you get through difficult times without emotionally eating. So we have, it's important 
that we look to make daily exercise a priority. Now, it doesn't have to be workouts. It can be physical activity. It can, we know that this does incredible things for our mood, for our energy levels, and it's also a powerful stress reducer. Getting into an exercise habit is far easier than you think. This is my job. This is what I do. This is behavior change. This is lifestyle change. When it comes to sleep, look to aim for eight hours of sleep every night. When you don't get enough sleep, your body craves sugary foods that will give you the quick energy boost that you need when you're feeling tired. So getting plenty of rest will help with appetite control and reduce future cravings. When you make time for relaxation, give yourself permission to take 30 minutes every day to relax, decompress and unwind. This is your time to take your break from responsibilities and recharge your batteries. This is known as self-care. And finally, think about connecting with others. Don't underestimate the importance of close relationships and social activities. And um, spend time with people who are, bring that positive energy will help enhance your life and help you protect from help protect you from negative effects of stress. So these are just four things that we can do to support yourself with healthy lifestyle habits. Now, nine times out of 10, I get people coming to me with a wish. And your wish is generally this. I want you to help me be consistent with my diet, with my exercise, or healthy lifestyle habits. So if you're like most people, you've probably tried at least some of the stuff below to get healthy and get in shape. You've probably tried Weight Watchers, my fitness pal, and other calorie counters out there. You've maybe even tried CrossFit or group workout bootcamp programs. Popular diets are a big favorite uh, for people looking to get lifestyle changes. Paleo, juice fast diets, cleanses, and low carbohydrate diets are the most popular ones. And you probably buy books, subscriptions to men's health, women's health magazines um, to give you some inspiration. And of course, these aren't bad options. They end up working for some people. Of course they do, otherwise they wouldn't be there, right? But most people tell me they have a hard time staying consistent. They mean well when they start and work hard, but the majority struggle to stay on in air quotes track. This is because other plans don't account for your life. You're very busy. And the way I've always seen it is you have, to, my job is to complement your life rather than complicate it. These other things, these other plans and um, changes you try to make complicate your life. They don't offer meaningful step-by-step -step change that can actually help you in real life. Because at the end of the day, real life, you have a job, you have kids, you have a commute, um, everything in between, right? We are humans at the end of the day. And whilst we're trying to improve our healthy lifestyle habits, it's also important to understand that it's okay if something doesn't happen that day. Plans, these plans that I've outlined here, don't often support those areas, those human aspects of the commute, of the school, of the job, of the cooking the kids dinner, of the husband, et cetera, et cetera. They don't offer the support, the care, and accountability like coaching does. 
And this is why I'm so passionate about helping people become the very best version of themselves. So what's the solution? Well, if those aren't a great fit for you, what do you do? There's plenty of options. You need to make yourself accountable to one person who really cares, okay? To help you give you the occasional loving kick in the right direction when you need it. The important thing is that you do make yourself accountable though. And to somebody that cares, that's sharing the same journey as yourself, whatever it may be, I get it. There's loads going on and you have lots on your plate already. So what can be done? Nothing worth doing can be done alone, okay? It's important to remember that. Social support, whether it's just a friend, a workout partner, your spouse, your kid, your dog, your coworker, who walks with you at lunch, whatever is crucial. So you're, to begin with, you're relying on that other person. Don't try this alone. I need to emphasize that again. <laughs> Don't try this alone. Go seek help. Go seek. Go speak to a friend, family member, colleague to say, this is what I want to do. This is how I can change. And it's important to know that independence is great. But when you work on a project like this, like emotional eating and exercise and changing healthy lifestyle habits and behaviors, you need a team and a tribe of like-minded people helping you and supporting you along the way. That sounds familiar. Ah, is that why I've called it the Coaching Academy? Probably. Because this group is full of like-minded individuals who are wanting to improve different areas of their life, be it training, nutrition, lifestyle, mindset. So what was your biggest takeaway from this? What are your questions? Did anything sink in? What sunk in the most? What was the biggest take home? Could you relate to the start of this presentation? Was your wish pretty much the same as what your wish, that wish was outlined on this? Whatever it is, let me know. Get in touch via the comments below. And I'd be more than happy to point you in the right direction to help you become healthier, happier, fitter, and stronger. But this was an incredible webinar that's taken a lot of time and energy to put in because I wanted to ensure that it was the right thing for you guys. And this was emotional eating and how to overcome it. So hopefully we have just done that for you. Take it easy and speak soon. As always, if you have any questions at all regarding the podcast or just want to ask me anything in general, please head over to the Facebook group or drop me a message on Voxer and I'd obviously be more than happy 